welcome to this podcast from Adelaide Place Baptist Church. We are a community of disciples, apprentices of Jesus, who live and work in the city of Glasgow, and it's our vision to join God in the renewal of all things. Our discipleship to Jesus is for all of our lives, so as well as listening to this podcast, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning or get involved in one of our missional communities, which are across the city throughout the week. Our prayer is that you encounter Jesus in some way through this podcast. More information can be found at apbc.net. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's how Mark's gospel begins, and that's where we started a few weeks ago as we um, began looking through this gospel of Mark, looking at the life of Jesus as Mark has recorded it. And we've uh, thought together about the different way of Jesus, the different way of life, an invitation to come to him as we are with all that we have and come to him. We've thought about practicing the way of Jesus a few months ago again, something we continue to revisit and look at how we might practice the way of Jesus to be with him, to become like him, and to do the things that he did. And as we thought about that, we thought that we need to look at Jesus. We need to see how he did things, to look at Jesus and see how he formed friendships and dealt with rejection and dealt with people looking at him and thinking that he wasn't who he said he was, and how he helped people and showed compassion to people, to look at Jesus We've read and considered, haven't we, together over more recent weeks about how Jesus is with us in the storm, that we see his strength in his compassion, and we can follow him and trust him in those times. And as we followed this journey of of those very first disciples of Jesus, those very first people who gave up everything to follow him, we come today and think about the simple question, who is Jesus? Who is he? We get to see in some of the passages we're about to read today, some of the questions and doubts and concerns and just getting it downright wrong that these first followers of Jesus had, the different responses and reactions to this man who walked among them, who was unlike anyone they'd ever met, unlike anyone who had ever lived. So this morning, I'm inviting us just to, to think about for a few minutes that simple question, who is Jesus? What comes to your mind, I wonder, when you hear that question? What would your response be today? So let's read together. Um, we're going to have a bit of a whistle-stop tour through a few, few chapters of Mark um, and read a few verses from chapter 6, um, a few from verse, uh, chapter 7, and some from chapter 8. So we're starting at the very beginning of Mark chapter 6, um, and I think the words will come up behind me as well if you'd like to Read along there. So Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few people who were ill and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. 
Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed them with oil, uh, many people who were ill, and healed them. And then let's jump down to Mark chapter 6 and verse 49, and where Jesus is, is walking on the water beside his, uh, beside his disciples who are in a boat. They, they decided to travel by boat instead of walking across the water. So uh, let's pick it up, verse 39. When they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. And then Mark 7 Verse 25, in fact, as soon as she saw him, this is a woman who's come to Jesus as he's in a crowd of people, in fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Cyrenian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon had gone. A little further down in verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And then we read in, in chapter 8, verse 27, Peter, uh, Peter answering a question that Jesus asks. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And then just straight after, at least as Mark records it, just straight after Peter's golden star moment, we read this of what he says. When Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter because he'd been saying that, tell, basically telling Jesus off for um, describing how the Messiah would save people, for describing what he, Jesus, the Son of God, was going to do. Peter turned and looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God but merely human concerns. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Who is Jesus? Amazement, fear, questions, concerns, worship, 
surrender, just some of the responses we see in these passages, so much in those that we could spend time thinking about. Who is Jesus? Well, I asked a few people this week to share their thoughts, their experience, something of their journey of following Jesus and who he is to them, what he means to them. Um, it turns out none of them could be here with us this morning, but they very kindly recorded um, some videos so that we can, we can hear their thoughts and just hear maybe something of their response to that question, who is Jesus? So let's listen to what they had to say just now. ago, I heard Jesus' voice saying, follow me. I have never regretted that decision to follow him. For me, it has meant following Jesus in the choice of a career, primary school teaching, then going to Bible school to respond to his call to be a missionary, and trusting him for all our needs. To follow Jesus meant to trust him for my life's partner, Douglas, then to serve God in the Democratic Republic of Congo with a baby and a three-year-old son, then to the Netherlands and back to Glasgow. To follow Jesus means to read his word and listen to his voice daily. It means to tell the next generation how faithful God is. Jesus is the one who gives me peace and purpose in life. He is my everything. I think that actually over the last couple of years, I've experienced a real transformation in my life and what I'd probably call, having grown up in church, what I'd call kind of, I guess, my adult testimony. So not probably... Um, discovering uh, my faith for the first time, but I guess discovering it and finding it applicable and, and finding kind of life transforming, um, healing and restoration and, and help through it. Um, that's all started really with practical outlooks on my faith and keeping with this kind of practice in the way thing that's been explored at the church and I think in other churches um, around the world, looking at, you know, all the promises that Jesus has uh, for our life. Um, and I started to kind of just question going into lockdown. Well, why do I feel like that? Um, you know, Jesus promises uh, said peace um, that surpasses understanding. He tells us not to worry. Um, lots of countercultural things. And I think what I discovered was, well, if I want to experience these countercultural things and experience uh, life in its fullness which is ultimately what I think everyone is, is chasing inside the church outside the church everywhere else then I've got to take model Jesus's lifestyle try to do that how would Jesus live if he was um, a football journalist in, in Glasgow in, in 2022 which isn't the easiest of questions to answer but I think certain practices we, that we see in the bible taught about solitude about sil uh, silence and, and prayer and trying to live slower trying to prioritise things like nice dinners, which isn't a pretty easy thing to do. Um, but but live a lifestyle, you know, that that quote that, that stuck with me is if I want to model someone, if I want to model someone's 
output and what they've become, you've got to model their lifestyle. So that's kind of the journey that I've been on these past few, few years and it's been really life-giving, really difficult because like everyone, I'm addicted to my phone and I'm addicted to entertainment. Um, but I'm also, I think I've experienced a lot of life in trying to live how I, I think Jesus calls me to live in this day and age, which is to still create quality time, create quality space for him. Um, to allow him to transform and to give him attention because no quality can come if we're not giving something attention and really to live with intentionality because I'm being formed every single day by all, all my external factors and if I don't put intentionality into that then I'll be I'll be formed by my, my phone, my social media, my business but if I allow myself to be intentional, if I allow myself to follow the practices that Jesus demonstrates in this busy, busy day and age then I can be formed by him and be formed into the person he created me to to be. So, um, I, th I know a lot of people maybe have similar stories to that. Certainly in this this busy day and age. So, yeah, it'd be great to to chat more about that. But that's a little bit of what I guess what Jesus means to me, what what being a Christian means to me, and and certainly in the last few years an adult has been trying to discover life in its fullness and experience experiencing simple joys. Uh, in the attempt to, to model the person that Jesus wants me to be and, and try and become a, a, yeah, a formed human in his image in this day and age. So, peace to you all. Speak soon. What does Jesus mean to me? For me, that's such a massive question. And I immediately think that my adjectives could never justify his wonder. I guess it would be easier to mention the fact that Jesus is part of the Trinity and was sent to earth to fulfill God's purpose. He's my redeemer because he suffered a painful death for my eternal freedom and is seated at the right hand of God. And all these facts are true and not exhaustive. However, what's important for me is to understand and apply the power of the sacrifice, which is his resurrection and to believe in that freedom that he suffered and died for. So I regard amongst other things that Jesus is also my teacher and really my encyclopedia. There's no life lesson that um, he didn't teach or guide us through whilst he was on earth. So my pursuit is to learn and to do, to cultivate my soil so that as I sow the word into solid ground as it's promised in Mark 4 verse 8 it will grow and produce crop and multiply 30 60 or 100 times I talk about pursuit because we never get there but Jesus gives us the endurance and encouragement to strive towards glorifying him and our God so I'll give a quick example of uh, one of my pursuits. I'm not very good at figuring out some of the parables and for those I didn't um, quite get, I'd read past um, and I really wouldn't be concerned about what they mean. But I recently decided that um, I no longer wanted to be that person who mentioned, um, is mentioned in the word rather as um, hearing the word and not understanding it. So I deep dived into the parable of um, the wheat and the weeds and what a beautiful life lesson about challenges um, that we as God's children will endure whilst we follow Christ. I'm so excited now and I finally get it um, and love the parable and can apply it.
I really appreciated how um, each of those people who shared, and, and I'm sure there'll be lots of very different stories, and many of we passed the mic around just now, but I appreciated how they shared how, what Jesus was doing in their life just now. Yes, how he's changed the direction of their life in the past, but how following Jesus makes a difference every day. How he's continuing to transform them into his likeness as they look at him and look to him each day. Um, and, and as we uh, look at Jesus each day, we, we might become, we become more like him. It changes how we, we deal with our day-to-day activities, how we deal with our relationships, how we parent or how we work or how we study or how we just are with the people that we spend our time with. Looking at Jesus continually transforms us into his likeness. Because when we look at Jesus, we look away from something else. We take our gaze off fears or anxieties. We take our gaze off the things of this world, the distractions. We don't ignore them or pretend they're not there, but rather we learn something of what it means to look at Jesus in the midst of our circumstance. We learn who he is in the midst of our despair and our joy, of our hope and our disappointment. We learn who he is in the midst of that. So who is Jesus? How would you answer that question? How do you know who Jesus is in the midst of your circumstance? Today, which might be different to three years ago or to 10 years ago or whenever you started following Jesus. Perhaps for you, you're still figuring out who is Jesus, still answering that question. You're not sure who he is, if you're really honest. Perhaps you've not been to church much or you've been to church lots. You grew up in a Christian family or you didn't. Who is Jesus? Many of us, I'm sure, will be familiar with the writings of C.S. Lewis and also with how he approached this very question, who is Jesus? He wrote this. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people, people often say about him. That is, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Now it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend, and consequently, however strange or terrifying or unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. Through these summer months as we've gathered around the table and thought about the life of Jesus, looking at Jesus that we might become more like him. We've thought about how he invites us to respond to the good news of him, how he not only promises life in all its fullness, but he gives us a blueprint on how to do it as well. Learning the unforced rhythms of grace, welcoming the life-giving disruption of Jesus into each moment of each day. It's about Jesus doing the deep work, not our best efforts, about him working slowly and gently and powerfully each day as we seek to follow him. Who is this man? Who is Jesus? 
We would run out of, of words, as Dudu alluded to there. We would run out of superlatives to describe accurately and adequately who Jesus is. And I can't think of a better way to consider again this morning who Jesus is than to come around this table to remember as he invited and as he commanded us to do, to remember his sacrifice, showing us his love on the cross. And so as we come to share that, the, the bread is, as always, gluten-free and the wine is non-alcoholic. Um, but I thought it was really helpful as we come to reflect again on, on Jesus' death and his resurrection. I thought it was helpful how the um, pastor and author, Glenn Packiam, describes the victory of Jesus on the cross. He recently said this, you might hear a song lyric or see a phrase and think, oh, Jesus is fighting my battles. As an aside, by the way, I love that song, and I'll keep singing that song. I don't think his point was to knock a particular song. But listen to what he says next. You might think Jesus is winning, giving me victory. And you might imagine the Christian life is just easy. He's fighting my battles. But when you actually start reading the Bible, you realize that the greatest victory God ever accomplished came through the self-giving love on the cross. The victory of God in your life is going to come through a cross. Not around, not around it. And so we come now to celebrate the greatest victory, the victory on the cross, to give him thanks and to allow our remembering and our thanks to lead us to repentance and to lead us to worship him, that the King, and King, King of kings and the Lord of lords came down and not only lived among us, but died on the cross for us for you and for me, showing us and demonstrating his love, winning the greatest victory and declaring that the power of hell and the power of death is broken forever 